If y'all would go ahead and turn with me to Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 4, for the scripture reading. And if you're able, if you would stand, please, for the reading of God's word. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in sight of God and man. Today we continue walking through Proverbs, learning God's wisdom, and this is an interesting one for me. Uh, We're going to be looking at the topic of love especially, and truth, but through the eyes of wisdom. And if you're like me, we've probably mainly thought about love and truth, although I'm going to have to explain what I mean by truth in a little bit, through the eyes of morality and righteousness. We know we ought to love, and this morning we're going to see that it's best for us to love from a wisdom standpoint as well. I'd like to uh, pray together, and as always, this time of prayer isn't just for me, although I do feel acutely my need for prayer when I stand up here and see you and see the Bible open in front of me and want so badly to give this to you. I know that it's a, an act of God if that takes place. Um, but you need prayer too. And you need to pray that God would open your ears and eyes and soften your heart to his word. So let's take a few moments to pray toward that end together. Father, please teach us now. Please enable us to focus and listen and not only open up our eyes and ears, but also our hearts. May we be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Now, Mark read verses 1 through 4, and I've decided actually just to focus on verses 3 and 4 for the sermon. Verses 1 and 2 are sort of an invitation into verses 3 and 4. And we're going to focus there. And if you like outlines, anybody like outlines? I like outlines. Helps things to stay in a natural progression. Um, there's going to be three main sections of this sermon. There's going to be the, the practice, the principle, and the promise. All right? So I even gave you PR beginnings for each of the three words. How, you can't ask for more than that from a preacher. Practice, principle, and promise. Um, This passage, verses 3 and 4, begins with the practice, and so we'll begin with the practice as well. And I love how symmetrical these verses are, because it gives us two virtues to practice, steadfast love and faithfulness, two uh, ways to carry those two virtues around your neck and in your heart. And then when we get to the next verse, we see uh, two different perceptions people will have of us because of that, and two different beings that will be viewing us. So it's all done in these sets of two. And I just really like that symmetric. Well, I was about to say something like symmetricity, but I'm certain that that's not a word. Randy, you're right on that one. That one's not a word. It's symmetrical. And I like that. Um, So let's look at these two virtues together. Okay. Uh, In the beginning of verse three, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Steadfast love Faithfulness. Now, steadfast love is a translation of a Hebrew word. I don't know Hebrew, but I remember this word. And I'm going to probably not pronounce it well, but it's something like hesed. Probably has more like hesed in it if I was to say it right. 
I remember it because one of my professors in college often brought this word up. Because this word's all through the Old Testament describing God's covenant, faithful, steady love for his wayward people. I remember one class in particular where he basically just started at the beginning of the Bible and traced all the way this word hesed. Loving faithfulness, loving kindness, steadfast love. Uh, Our English translations translate it in different ways because it's a difficult concept to put into one or two English words. So it's love and it's steadfast, but it carries with it the idea of a covenant. It's mainly used of God's covenant love for his people. Now, what that means is God made a covenant with his people, Israel, and that covenant was that he was going to love them regardless of them. It was love that came from within himself, predetermined, predecided. He was going to love them. And even all while they were wayward and, and sinful and idolatrous and only halfway obeyed and all these things, his love never wavered and faltered. Even when he had to get tough with them, his love remained. Not because they were so great, but because he was. Okay, so that's sort of the idea. In the New Testament, um, the same idea comes through and it's sort of looked at more from the standpoint of grace because that's what it came to mean to God's people because they had fallen short of their role in the covenant so much. So it's, it's the kind of love that is not dependent on the loveliness of the object. It's, it's a way of loving people that is rooted in you and who you are, not them and what they do and how they are. Okay, are you with me so far about steadfast love? It's, I, I've used this illustration many times because it's just the best one I can think of, but it's the kind of love you feel for your children and the kind of love that I try to convey to them when I tell them over and over and over that whole spiel I've told you before. Some of you may not have heard it, so I'll tell you again. I'll, I'll lay down beside them in their bed and I'll make sure their little face is looking at me. And I'll say, Elias or Lillian, why does your daddy love you? And they know the drill now because I've done it so often. But I'll take them through. I'll say, is it because you're so cute? No. No, you, I do think you're cute, but that's not why I love you. Is it because you're so smart? No. Although I do think you're smart, but that's not why I love you. Is it because you're such a good boy or such a good girl? No. Although I do think you're a good girl and a good boy most of the time. But that's not why I love you. I love you because I'm your daddy. And I will always be your daddy. And nothing's going to change that. Not your behavior or your performance is never, ever going to change that because it's not based in, in who you are. It's based in who I am. So you never have to worry about losing that. That's Hesed, covenant, steadfast love. Okay, so that's the first virtue. You've got that in your mind. The second one, uh, my translation is in the ESV, faithfulness. This is... Another difficult thing to translate into English, translation is just difficult. I don't even know how these brainiacs do it. But it, it's, um, it's all about truth. It's saying and being true. It, all the things that you say being true and all the things that you do being true, that's what this word faithfulness, that's the idea it's trying to convey. It is honesty, speaking the truth, but it's more than that. It's operating in accordance with truth. So it contains within it reliability and dependability. You know, letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, If you make a promise, even if it causes you great pain, 
fulfilling that promise. It's all those, all, anything having to do with you being true is encapsulated in this idea of faithfulness. So these are the two virtues, steadfast love and faithfulness. But note that they're connected together. Steadfast love and faithfulness. And they're always together. Well, no, that's not true. That's elaborate. That's uh, hyperbole. Um, I always look at Randy whenever I say fancy words because he likes that. Um, when I was preparing for the sermon, I looked up all the other places in Proverbs where these two words are used to just see how it's used in the book. And I think, unless I missed one, every time steadfast love, hesed, was used, it was used in that construction. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Faithfulness was used a couple of times by itself, but any time that, that love was mentioned, it was connected with faithfulness. And all through the Bible, you see those words side by side. Now, that's important. It's not just, you know, because I like words and I'm nerdy about it. It is it's significant. A lot of the commentators believe that when you put the two words together, you get a third thing that's not just those two, but a, a third substance. That's the combination of steadfast love and faithfulness. And I think they're right. I think it's the same way um, a little piece of plastic and a string are two separate things, but when you put them together, you get a kite. I think they're meant to go together. Love and truth, grace and truth are meant to be put together. And that's the idea. It's not two separate virtues. It's one combination of two virtues that the Bible is telling us would be wise if we would have. We need to value both people and the truth. Some of us are, are more prone to the steadfast love than we are to the faithfulness. We're more kite than string. This is what you get when you have uh, parents or grandparents who are overindulgent to their children or their grandchildren because they just love them so much. They, they look at their young child or teenage child or grown child and they, they have hesed covenant love for them. And they express that love without the faithfulness, without the truth sometimes, in such a way that it indulges them. It shields them from consequences of sin that it would be more truthful to allow to hurt them so they learn the deeper lessons. You know, being more kite than string, it happens when the, the naive girl who just loves the boyfriend so much that the truth is just out of her mind, it's gone, and she's abused by them or, or whatever. It's like a kite without a string, it just falls to the ground, it ultimately doesn't benefit the recipient or the giver. Other people are more string than kite. They, they lean more toward the faithfulness, the true, than the steadfast love. These are the people like my roommate. I've told you before, a guy from Romania. I don't know if when you learn English from the European languages, if you kind of miss the whole warmth aspect of how to operate in English, but... I remember his girlfriend at the time, who was you know, a very lovely gal, uh, made some comment about feeling overweight, as gals tend to do for whatever reason. And, uh, and he, instead of saying what would have been true and loving, the fact that he found her to be beautiful and that he loved her as she was, those were true, he left out that steadfast love aspect of it, that warmth aspect of it. Instead, he went with the hard truth of, well, you're really busy. You don't have time to work out or, or watch what you eat. And that was true. But how much better if it had been attached to his love for her 
instead of just cold, blunt truth. And some of us struggle in that, in that way. Um, you know, people who are very critical tend to be that way. Their observations sometimes are more accurate than others, but it is couched in such unloving communication that nobody's ever going to listen to it. So what's important is not just to be very loving and not just to be very true, but to be loving and true together. Grace and truth, steadfast love and faithfulness. Okay? Then he gives us two ways to carry these with us. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your, of your heart. Um, these are figures of speech. You know, you're not obviously going to be able to do these things literally. Um, in my research, trying to figure out what the Hebrew people, what the Israelites would have taken that to mean, bind them around your neck. Um, you know, there, I don't want to get into the whole, there's a thing called phylacteries that they would wear and it, a helpful reminder that they would actually physically wear. But he doesn't mean physically wear anything. He just means this needs to be a constant practice for you. Okay? So my wife and I, Meredith and I, got these things for Christmas. It's not like a tracking system. We weren't arrested or anything. It's, it's called a, it's a terrible name for the company, but a jawbone. Uh, it's like a fitness tracker thing. Okay? I know it's silly. It's especially silly to talk about it. Oh, you have one? All right. Um, so you wear it around all day and it tracks your movement. Okay. And it, you're supposed to shoot for a goal and it's fun to have it along with your spouse because you kind of compete. And then you wear it at night and it tracks your sleep and it tells you, um, how much deep sleep you get and how much light sleep you get and gives you tips on how to improve that. And it's, it's just fun. But in order for it to work, I've got to wear it all the time. Okay. I, I, I wear it at night. The only time I don't wear it is in the shower. All right, I would have thought that would drive me crazy, but you get used to wearing it. Okay, that's sort of the idea of binding these virtues around your neck. Just get used to wearing these. Okay, when you get up in the morning, make sure you've got these on. When you go to work or school, make sure you have these on. When you come home and be with your family, make sure you have these on. When you go to bed at night, make sure you have these on. It's the idea of consistency and constancy. And then writing them on the tablet of your heart is the idea of pressing them so deeply within you, that they are the true you, that they are genuinely you. That it's not just an act you're trying to perform, but you truly are loving and faithful. Now, keep in mind, this is just wisdom. This isn't yet directly talking about Jesus Christ, um, the commands of God to, to love. This is just God saying, here's how I designed life to work. And if you want it to go well for you, operate this way. Okay, it's, you know, a hammer was designed to drive a nail. So if you want it to go well with your hammer, use it to drive nails. Don't use it to try to paint a wall. Dip it in the paint bucket and smack it up against the wall. A paintbrush was designed to paint a wall. So if you want it to go well with your paintbrush, use it to paint a wall. Don't try to use it to hammer a nail. Okay, you were designed to be steadfastly loving and faithful. If you want it to go well for you, operate according to your design. That's wisdom. And here's the, the principle. If we will adhere to God's wisdom, valuing both people and the truth, in verse 4, we'll gain these two perspectives from these two audience, audiences. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God 
and man. Favor means uh, friendly judgment, the benefit of the doubt. People will think well of you and think of you as someone to be favored, to give advantage to. Um, Good success is almost always translated good sense. And I'm actually not sure why they don't translate it good sense here. Um, From my studies, I think it's, it's the idea that you will be viewed as someone with good sense you, you will be in appearance and in reality someone with good sense and, and you will have good success. You'll be viewed as a successful person because of it. Again, these are brought together. Basically, it's saying you'll, you'll be looking really good. In the sight of both God and man, you will look good. Now, we're all here this morning and we all, as I look around, everybody looks good physically. Everybody's dressed nicely. Matt and I wore matching sweaters for you guys, just to keep a good continuity when he's up here and I'm up here. You know, you, you didn't leave the house thinking, I look bad, but I don't care. You know, you purposely put on something decent and got your hair in some kind of arrangement. Maybe you did makeup or whatever you do. And you came because we want to, to appear, put together and appear good. And basically what we're saying here is, if, if we will give our attention to these virtues, we will look good. We will look like someone to favor. We will look like someone uh, with good sense and good success. You know, if, if we're having people problems a lot in our lives, a lot of friction, uh, people just don't want to give us a break, we're getting passed over for all the promotions. Uh, we're not getting asked to, to volunteer. We're, we're not being invited to the party. We might need to do a little self-inspection to see if we are letting go of either of those two virtues in our own lives, steadfast love and faithfulness. Because generally speaking, the person who is loving and true will be looked upon favorably. You know, two, two employees have the exact same resumes, exact same job performance, exact same education. One of them has a, a batch of references and a reputation for being very much concerned about the people around them, very much engaged with helping the people around them, loving the people around them, respecting the bosses, respecting the customers, and being steadfastly honest, reliable, dependable, and true. Whereas the other one does not have all that, this will be the person to be favored in those job interviews. You know, there's a book out there called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've never read it, but I've heard of it a lot. This is sort of God's version of it in two verses. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Don't let them leave you, escape you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man, everybody. Now, first, remember this is a principle and not a promise. Start being nice and honest today doesn't mean you're going to be running your company tomorrow. This is generally how things work in this world God created. But there's a problem, isn't there? In and of ourselves, we are born with a very serious issue that hinders us from being steadfastly loving and true. Can you guess what it is? 
sin. We're born mangled up and messed up by sin. So while this is great advice, we're always going to find ourselves falling short of it. We just have too much selfishness ingrained in us. We just have too much, um, too much of a desire to use the truth for our own benefit rather than just live by it, be upheld by it. So that's where we get to the third PR word, promise. You know, Jesus, after he had risen from the dead, he was walking with some, some people and he opened their eyes and he showed them how all the Bible, including all the Old Testament, points to him. So I don't know, he probably even took them through Proverbs chapter 3 when he was teaching him, them that. He probably showed them how even Proverbs chapter 3 points to Jesus. I'm going to read you John chapter 1 verses 14 and verse 17. Verse 14. This is John talking about when Jesus came in his first advent, his first coming. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Greek word for grace used there is one of the Greek words that the Greeks always use to translate that Hesed word. The Greek word for truth there is the Greek word that they always use to translate that Hebrew word for faithfulness back there. It was all always moving and pointing toward Jesus Christ. He is the steadfastly faithful one. He is the true one. Down in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, and we might add, and the wisdom was given through Solomon. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and still comes through Jesus Christ. So our passage in Proverbs did everything in these neat sets of two, and I'll I'll leave you with one more neat little set of two. There are two promises that we receive in Jesus. The first is that in Jesus Christ, we have the word of God, the law of God, the wisdom of God, God's intentions for us written on our hearts. That in Jesus, God writes it on the tablet of our hearts. Listen to this prophecy from Jeremiah 31, verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. They didn't really know exactly what he was talking about, but we can look back and know he's talking about the new covenant in Jesus Christ. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. That's one of the things we receive as Christians. God's law written on our hearts. So the first promise is that in Jesus we have all this written on the tablet of our hearts. The second promise is that in Jesus we can bind these virtues around our necks. We can consistently live this way. It is possible as Christians because we've been given a new nature. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 23 through 24. It says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and, to, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
See, I wouldn't want you to walk out of here thinking, okay, I've got to really try hard to be really loving and really true, and then I'll have success. And not know about Jesus Christ, because then that's going to be a life of frustration with yourself, of failure. See, in Jesus, we have forgiveness for our failures in the areas of love and truth. We have an imputation of his righteousness in those areas, so that when God looks at you, he sees Jesus' perfect record of love and truth. And we have new natures through the new birth as we've trusted in Jesus Christ that are now actually capable of growing up into these virtues. We're capable of loving the way God has loved us through Jesus. We're capable of living in light of the truth. That's really good news. Steadfast love and faithfulness are in Jesus Christ. They come through Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, that's already who you are. So my prayer is that now it will also be how we act, how we live, what we do. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you saw fit to give us this comprehensive revelation called the Bible. It tells us about you. It tells us about us. It tells us about the big things, salvation, eternity, life and death. But it even ties it down to just the everyday issues of life, especially in Proverbs. I'm so grateful for that. Lord, please draw us near to you through Jesus this morning. May we all receive this Hesed, steady, covenant love that is not conditional upon our performance. And in receiving it, may we be transformed and able to then turn and give it, free to live in light of the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.